0: Welcome to A Conversation With. I'm so glad that you are here or will be joining us in the near future or online where it streams on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And today I am joined by a phenomenal returning guest, Deborah Richards, affectionately known to her pals on Clubhouse as Debbie Pink. And Debbie is a four-time Emmy Award-winning filmmaker. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. One, two, two, three, four. Four-time Emmy Award-winning filmmaker. And she also has an amazing movie out right now that I have still yet to see, entitled Move Me No Mountain. So I'm really excited to, and we were just talking off air, to carve out some time so I can sit and enjoy her newest film. But without further ado, welcome back to A Conversation with Debbie. How
1: are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you again, and I'm so excited about this interview because I loved your questions last time. They were good questions.
0: Welcome to a conversation with, where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media, and entrepreneurial space. We're gonna talk about what makes them successful and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business, but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. Yeah, you know, well, I, uh... I try you know that's I, you know why i ask those types of questions because for me this is a learning experience mm-hmm. so not only um am i interviewing you know phenomenal people i am actually uh learning and and just adding to my knowledge base so every time i interview someone such as yourself and you say something and it's a perfect example i was listening to another interview that you had done on mighty dragons. And, and I learned quite a bit. Oh, <laughs> I learned, I learned quite a bit. So let's, let's get into this. So, you know what? And I was thinking about that when I was, when I was listening uh, to, to your interviews and doing some more research. And my question is what made you decide to one day just say to yourself, I want to be a filmmaker. What, what was the, the catalyst
1: with that? You know, it's so funny, um, I'm, I'm giving a, a a talk tomorrow night mm-hmm. to um, the employees of Meow Wolf, which is an art installation here in Vegas, and they wanted me to put together a little slideshow and presentation, because we're talking for like an hour and a half. So I started putting it together, and they have some guidelines and some kind of like suggestions. And as I'm putting it together, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a trip down memory lane. This is a whole, I had to tr- kind of track it back. So. It's so funny you asked that because it was very, very, uh, uh, it, I was examining that question today in slideshow form. And, and basically what had happened was it was really two things. One, about 15 years ago, I got um, disillusioned with life a little bit and I said to myself, I, I want to go in a new direction and I Googled the 10 best jobs in the world. And I looked at the list. And some of the things on the list were um, airplane pilot. And I thought, well, that goes just back and forth and back and forth. I don't see how great that is. Um, another one was CEO. And I was like, well, I've owned companies and, and I don't really want to, you know, I'm more artistic. And I kind of went through the list and, and then I saw a film director and it hit me. And this is where the, uh, you know, collision of the other thing. And that other thing was, I've kind of been training for this my whole life. Right, hmm. I, I, you need to, um, you need to have a lot. You need to be a jill of, all, of 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 all trades. You need to know a lot about a lot to be a film director. Okay, and um, so as a writer director, as a writer, you need to have lived. Right, check. Lived in four countries. I'm a shark attack survivor. I have a very colorful past. I used to be a world champion flair bartender. So I've lived. Okay, so that box is taken care of. I grew up in the seventies under the kind of umbrella of my father's advertising agency in the Middle East. Hmm. This was before desktop publishing. So I saw grassroots marketing uh, with old fashioned techniques like set and tint where you had to, you you know, kind of, uh, you know, rub on the uh, the tinting for the newspapers and stuff. Um, And so I learned all that. And then I got a video camera in about 1980 and around the same time, I think I got an Apple 3. And uh, so the, the video camera was my sister's because she was older than me, but I kept using it because I would build Muppets and then film Muppets. Mm. And, and then I would kitbash like FX kits and make spaceships and film those and put the black and white filter on it and film them landing into talcum powder for moon dust and all this stuff. And this was in late like, 1980, 1981. Okay. So, um, I was a musician which as a teenager i ended up working in a recording studio and learning uh you know digital sequencing and stuff which is really similar to sequencing for film and editing Mm -hmm. and non-linear editing i got into photoshop real early before i even had a color computer when my laptop was still black and white i started photoshop and then i built my first website in 1988 and uh, i Built one of the first ever Flare Bartending websites, which is still around today. And so I had all these digital skills, right? All these digital skills, marketing and advertising and, and arts in my blood kind of thing. And then I owned a bar and I had to do the MySpace commercial, animation commercials and oh my gosh, the my TV Space. commercials and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But then, and I was making little shorts on the side and then someone said, Hey, you should go to film school. And around that time, I was looking at that list and, and I saw a film director, and I was like, I have every single skill set because I know how to manipulate imagery. I know how to manipulate people's emotions and feelings. And I have a lot of stories to tell. And so, what else could I be built for? You know? So, uh, that's the short version.
0: Wow, wow, wow. So th- that's that's amazing. And and actually, everything that you basically just talked about, when, when people talk about film school, it's mm-hmm. interesting, I've heard conversations where people that actually went to film school, when they got out, they still had so much to learn. They basically had to learn everything that you just talked about, mm-hmm. because you learned the technical side. But the human the humanity or the humanistic side you you didn't learn that in in those four walls and it's so interesting a lot of my friends who never went to film school are absolutely amazing filmmakers because you know much like what you just said they brought all of their life experiences to the to the film set because in actuality a movie is basically a a reflection of of you know real life but with that, what were, were were some of the challenges that you faced when you first started out?
1: I'm not really sure when I first started out because, um, you know, someone said to me the other day, when did you start editing? And I said my first blink was my first cut. Mm. But so there's been challenges. I mean, OK, the biggest challenge for any filmmaker, for any person, is time. Mm-hmm. Behind every door, there's another 12 doors. Uh, it's just to learn the craft, to understand the craft. You know, we've got over a hundred years of cinema history. There's so much to learn. There's so much that's changing at a rapid pace and so much history and all that combined is just a lot, right? So it just, you know, I'm really passionate about cinema and I'd like to master the craft. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a ridiculous endeavor because it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, never ending um, endeavor. And um, so, yeah, what was the question? When 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 you when you kind of jumped into it, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Well the funny thing is the first the first short that I made was a sixty second short and I wanted to do like a little action sequence. And the first challenge was getting people to film. Like I didn't have anyone mm. to film. And so I ended up doing stop motion animation just because I didn't like I said to my friends, Hey, can I film you? And they're like, Why? <laughs> you know, so um, at, at first, um, and it sounds ridiculous, but that, that problem gets eased over time dramatically. Like uh, in a lot of my projects, I've, I've I've worn a lot of hats and done a lot of roles. But each project I do, that's less and less because more people, you know, come late to the party and want to join in on the action and help out. And I'm in a position to employ more and more people as well as time goes on, which is great. So, uh, yeah, so the, the, so the challenge at the beginning was just you know, having a workforce, I guess. And then other challenges throughout. I feel like I've always had to fight for my seat at the table, you know, being a female filmmaker. And I've always had to um, know more than the person standing next to me so that people take me seriously, right? You know, I'm a colorful individual and and I have a presence and I get that. So I don't want that to overwhelm the fact that I'm knowledgeable and experienced and creative. And so, um, so I feel like I have really had to grind at my craft. And um, I flunked out of film school. After I won the four Emmys, I was like, I know everything. I got four Emmys, right? Mm-hmm. So I left film school and whack, reality hit me hard, you know, like the realities of Hollywood. And I spent the next, like, um, roughly eight years grinding away at my craft. Did over 100 TV commercials, made nine shorts. I'm now on my third movie. And... Mm-hmm. You know i grinded out my craft I, I i worked a lot of commercials which which uh you know taught me to work in so many different styles and and and, and you know techniques of storytelling right and so uh, i think you know winning winning the respect of my peers was always difficult and that's what i mean for fighting my about fighting for my seat at the table and it's only really with grinding out my craft and, and, and knocking out excellent work again and again and again that that you know it's slowly one running at a time right but i'm cool with that i mean like it's like 15 years overnight success i'm I'm cool with you know grinding it out and and taking each step because at every at every turn i've just you know made friends and won and respect and it's just more of a solid foundation for a career than than going from, you know, zero to 60 in a career. You know, it's, it's kind of like been a slow
0: burn to my... Yeah, and, and, and that's so true because every win is an earned win. Mm. And, and you know, that's a win that you can't take. You know, yo, this was a seven-game win right here. You know, this, was, this wasn't a sweep. This was a seven-game grinded out. So yeah. what you see right here, this was earned. But let, let's talk about the fact that you won four Emmys, you you, you became an award-winning filmmaker. Yeah. Now, now did that in any way change anything with you? Were, were studios knocking on your doors? You win these four and no. now you're like, okay, no. here come no. the plug gates.
1: The only thing it changed was my ego. Mm. I was like I was, I was like, Woohoo, this is it. Doors are gonna open. No no doors opened. you know, you know who likes that means people that come over to the apartment and take their photos with them. <laughs> but I mean, it's cool to say, and and I'm really grateful for the recognition and the awards, but it certainly didn't open any doors. And um, I think I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for doors to open. You know, it's it's funny, life has a habit of the doors open when you're ready, right? Mm -hmm. And and looking back, I wasn't ready. And and it's so funny looking back because when you're on this path, whatever your path is, like if you've got like a long-term goal and with films, it's pretty long-term, right? whenever you go like this kind of long-term goal and road ahead of you, it seems so daunting and so much ahead of you and so many, you know, rivers to cross and mountains to climb. And then when you look back on it, you're like, wow, that didn't really take that long. And that wasn't really that bad. And It's so funny, the perception of time, how it changes over time. Yeah.
0: So, So with that, (laughs) when you were in it, you're like, okay, no one's calling me. But then when you look back over it, And you say, well, you know what? That was actually a blessing in disguise because if someone had called me, I would have basically squandered that opportunity.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I wouldn't have, no one called because I wasn't ready. And and it's not just about being ready technically, it's about being ready emotionally and spiritually. It's being, it's about being ready to accept. I think a lot of the time, uh, as creatives, so or everyone, but especially creatives, I feel like we have a, a, a lot of fear of success and a lot of fear of failure at the same mm-hmm. time, and we're constantly trying to navigate that, or rather, our egos are. And yeah, man, it's 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 it's, it's a fight. I've had to claw my way through the through the industry, and uh, and, I, and I love it. I'm, I love where I am. I'm so proud of my journey, and I'm so proud of my teams i'm so proud of the people around me and speaking of teams right my team has grown so much and and looking back it was only it was two years ago almost to the month that i came up with the idea for my first feature film Mm. now that film has came came out like four weeks ago i have another film in post-production and i'm in development of my third film if you told me two years ago that i'd be juggling three movies in two years I would have sent you crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah, and that actually leads me to my next question. Your latest film movie, No Mountain. Yeah. It deals with some some really heavy issues. The issue of homelessness, guilt, death, and and, and some other things in, in a backdrop of amazing contrasts. How did you come up with, with the idea for, 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 for this film?
1: I'm not really sure. I just woke up one morning with the uh, the title, the story, and the protagonist in my head. And the blanks wow. to fill, but I just woke up and thought, here we go, this is a cool story. And prior to that, I was going to shoot a horror movie for my first film. Hmm. And then I woke up with this idea, and I was like, you know, I don't want to do the same thing that everyone else does and just do a horror movie. And everyone said you know, horror genre, horror genre, horror genre, because that's going to sell the best. And it's financially makes the most sense. And, and I didn't do that. I took the tough road. I mean, for your first feature film, you're supposed to use two actors, one location, right? At like 40 actors, 40 locations, dogs, scorpions, pigeons, underwater scuba stuff, fires. You know, I, I, I did the complete opposite and I went with uh, suspense drama. And I told uh, a hard story, but an original story. And I'm really proud of the fact that uh, my movie is original. It has a voice. And for my first film, it's like, it's a statement. It's like, OK, guys, you know, this, this might not be the best cinema in the world ever, but this has a voice, and this is someone, this is a director to watch out for, you know? This is someone to uh, pay attention to. And I think my work has always done that, and that's why it's slowly. You know, bought me fans and and bought me momentum and and the juice to now be a full time feature filmmaker.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And and the fact that, as you said, it's original because in today's world, it's about the the, the franchise. You make one and then you. The pendulum
1: swings, man. The pendulum swings. Right now, I mean, we can already see the death knell in the the bed of, um, you know, the Marvel stuff and, and, Mm -hmm. and movies that have been produced at $80 million with another. 80 to 100 thrown in for p is unsustainable. And and the pendulum swings, you know, the middle class of movies in the 90s, the kind of movies that Matt Damon made a career of, have, have kind of withered and died. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the $10 million to like $60 million kind of bracket. And and, and I just feel like it's going to swing the other way and, and slowly come back because uh, the movie biz, the way it's operating right now, doesn't seem sustainable.
0: No, it, it doesn't. And the that... Those movies, that was basically the sweet spot. You had some really, really good films in that ten to sixty million dollar range. But oh, of course, all oh, like so many classics. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, because and then when the, the, the really big films, you know, started coming out, it it really pushed indie filmmakers filmmaking almost to the brink of extinction.
1: Well, I think the pendulum is going to swing. I think uh, the, yeah. streamers, the streamers are the uh, modern studios of today, and their business model for just creating their own content is is, is not cost efficient. And so I feel that there's going to come a point, a breaking point, where they're like, you know what, we're going to start engaging independent producers again and, and purchase mm-hmm. our content from them. And, and I feel that's, that, that that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. but. Back to your film, Mm
1: -hmm. how did you meet your your lead actress? Oh, that's such a, it was such a cool happenstance. I went to uh, Sundance 2020. So this is like a couple weeks before the pandemic, literally. And uh, it was my first time there, I drove up from Vegas and uh, I went to this kind of like satellite event that was like a, a pitch type of thing where you go and you pitch your idea for a movie and uh, the winner wins X amount of stuff or whatever. And uh, I was really confident about my pitch. I had a rough cut of my short dark lights, and I played it, and uh, like no one got it. Everyone was Mm. like, wow. And the one person in the room that got it was uh, Catherine Lilly, or Kat, and she she had a movie that was um, debuting at Sundance. It was in competition called The Evening Hour. And she was the only one in the room that got my short. She came up to me and she was like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. I want to be on the Debbie Richards train. Uh, I get it, negative space. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're my people. So I, so I promised her the first opportunity I got, I'd write something for her. And um, so I wrote the role specifically for her.
0: So was it hard writing that film? Because you, you say you wake up. You've got the movie, you've got the title, you've got everything.
1: Yeah, right. it's hard, it's hard. And here's why, it's emotionally hard being a writer because I think the biggest quality you have to have as a writer is you've got to be able to empathize, right? You've got to literally put yourself in other people's position and and, and, and go through that. And I did a lot of research for the movie. I mean, uh, it's well known that I worked with Las Vegas Rescue Mission and Shine mm-hmm. a Foundation to, to go meet people like that, but also the movie deals with grief. And I did a lot of research on YouTube watching videos of people that accidentally killed someone Mm -hmm. and how they lived with that uh, trauma. And, you know, I'm an artist, right? So I feel like I'm this big antenna. And whatever you put in front of me, Mm -hmm. I'm going to absorb. I'm going to artistically digest and process. And then I'm going to spit it out. Okay? So, um, you know, you put me in a boardroom for a year and I'm going to come out facts and figures mm-hmm. you, you put me in front of uh you know youtube videos of people discussing grief and and, and it's really gonna emotionally bring me down like dramatically you know i'm very savante like that that I, I empathize at a deep level and so it was difficult for that
0: oh i'm sorry i thought you were about to say something else okay oh, no, no i was just saying it was <laughs> difficult for that reason you know? oh okay so researching you I found that for this particular film you did well it, it does say in your description Swiss Army Knife mm-hmm. you did everything
1: no really right this, so there's a hundred people that worked on this movie all I did and this is less than I usually do mm-hmm. but all I did was uh, writer, director, co-produce um, direct, DP, second camera production design, color, edit the effects <laughs>
0: That's all you did.
1: Okay, so we were talking about this last night in the clubhouse room, right? My job as a filmmaker is to look at words on a page and turn it into a picture, okay? Now, if I need to know how to turn something into a picture, I better know a lot about a lot, right? And that's what I mean about fighting for my seat at the table that I've constantly had to sharpen the saw and learn all this stuff, not only to compete, Mm-hmm. But because I'm really passionate and I love this. I love it. Right? I love cinema. I love movie magic. I love collaborating. Right? I, I, I love uh, selling dreams, right? So, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so now, now now, is that something, let's say we're talking to a new filmmaker. Yeah. You know, and especially female filmmakers. Uh-huh. Is that a path that you would recommend that they take that they learn how to absolutely do everything on a set so you know that's something that I recommend to anybody but would you yeah would you really but would, would, is that something that you would recommend that they that they learn every single uh, aspect of, of of the film set?
1: Not necessarily because it could take your lifetime i mean i'm I'm proud of my age by the way I'm 51 and it's taking me a lifetime to get to the starting line. Mm-hmm. right and every path everyone's path is different i think the best advice is, is probably just reverse engineer the dream what's the dream what is it you want to do do you want to learn everything on like if the dream is being a film director you is, is that the question like what's the best pathway to be a film director
0: well well you know as you said if if, if you want to know how something you know, how, how a picture, you know, for lack of a better word, fleshes out Then you better know yeah. how to do it yourself. So well, let's say, cause you yeah. said you, you did, you did editing, you did second, you did second AD, you did all of those, those different things. Second so is yeah. that something second, so second camera, I'm sorry. So is that something, you know, that you would recommend, even if you just get a rudimentary understanding of it?
1: Well, this so, is why love, this is why I love film school. I recommend going to a community college uh, film introduction class because you'll get a little teaser of, of these right. different, you, you know, disciplines, and you can decide which one to 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 you know which rabbit hole to go down. I think in life, if you're a specialist, you make more money, and if you're a generalist, you get more work but make less money. Hmm. So. Well, yeah, that's 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 a that's that's an
0: interesting take. I guess it would really depend on, you know, what direction you want to you want it to
1: actually go into. But right, exactly. Reverse engineer the dream. If if being a film director is the dream, the right. most common pathway. Okay, and everyone's journey is different, right? But the most common pathway is through writing, because as a writer, you are directing the director from the page, from the journal. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's the, easiest jump, it's the easiest transition to make from writer to director. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's gonna guarantee your success in, in the movie biz, because you're competing against people like me who are obsessive, and like you say, you know, learn all these different departments and stuff. Um, the reason why I'm gonna get a job over most other people is because I understand how all these different components work and in, work in conjunction with each other and their impact on the next part of the pipeline. Mm-hmm. So it makes, you know, a valuable asset as a director to be able to, you know, a director who's only written and, and then directed and you say, hey, we need to shoot this at a location. Uh, we, 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 we we need a certain location. And they're like, oh, wow, well, this can only be filmed in, New York City, because New York City is the only place where we have the skyscraper, or something like that. Whereas, right. whereas me, I can be like, well, we only need a section of the city because, like, no, we can do a set extension with the effects on this, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just being a good writer doesn't mean you're going to be a successful director, but it is the most common pathway to directing. Mm.
0: So, a question about your film: you you mentioned Stanley Kubrick
1: mm, a few less
0: times. Time. Yeah, yeah, last time. So, did this movie
1: pick you? Yes. How's it? Because he, he actually—that's a famous quote of his—that you you don't pick your movies; they pick you, and then it, it's such a shitty truth. Because sometimes you'll have other plans, <laughs> like John Lennon said. Uh, you know, like, like what was the famous film? Because sometimes life has other what was that? But anyway, so you got other plans, and then all mm. of a sudden, uh, you know, life has got a different uh, you know thought for you. And so, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I woke up with the idea. Okay. And then what's crazy is I always said I would never do a documentary. And so we're in post production of Move Me in a Mountain. And two friends of mine interview me who used to be, oh, sorry, they're still bartenders and they got like Mm a bartending podcast. And I used to be a notable character in the bartending world. So they wanted to interview me about my contributions and they were also curious about my new life in film. And so the three of us were talking and I was like, wow, we should do a documentary about, you know, flare bartending, like um, there's never been one. Hmm. And they were like, yeah. And then this this whole new project fell in my lap, like while in post-production. And we've actually finished shooting uh, my second movie while in post-production of my first movie. And I always said I'd never do a documentary, but this one just fell in my lap. And I was like, we'd be nuts not to. So that's another case of your movies picking you. And Mm -hmm. it's frustrating because sometimes I got other plans and, you know, movie making is really difficult. So it's like swimming upstream. So when the current takes you one way, Mm -hmm. just go with it, make your life easier Just swim with the current. And so when a, when an opportunity falls in my lap it, it, it's silly to ignore it and say no i'm gonna ignore this amazing opportunity because i'm really focused on doing this and this leads me to one of my quotes actually that i'm not known for i often tell people uh, you know some of my best a plans started life as b plans
0: mm. that's interesting but you know what but but, but that's so true and, and 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 you can look at it another way that You may want to do something at the moment, but as with anything, the time isn't right. Like Going back to when you were talking about the four Emmys, you win four Emmys, but no one's knocking on your door because the time wasn't right. So you may have an idea and you're saying, you know what, I'm really ready to go with this idea. And the universe is saying, but you know what,
1: Debbie? Not right now. Right. That's why it's so important to listen to that little voice inside of you. That little voice inside of you, you know, listen to it what is it I keep one foot in the past one eye on the future but you yes, ask in the present mm-hmm. absolutely you know, be in tune with about that, that continuum.
0: hey everybody it's floyd marshall host of a conversation with have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself i'd like to ask him a question well you can just message me with a question or a comment and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode to your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. Yeah, because oftentimes and oftentimes when you go against it, that's when well, we're all of those here. That's when bad shit happens. Right. And then you're sitting there kicking yourself saying, see, I should have listened to my gut. Yeah. Because oftentimes yeah. your gut is telling you, telling you what you should, what you should I or really, should not be doing. For good reason. Your gut yeah. get the hell out. Yep. So <laughs> let's let's talk. Uh, uh, move me no mountain. You yeah. decided to go, I guess, after some some thought. You, you decided to go to, uh, with the decision of going straight to, to Amazon as opposed to doing the, the, the festival runs. What what, right. what
1: made you decide to do that? Well, it's interesting. It was a two-pronged strategy. Once we finished shooting the movie, we we said, let's enter it into a bunch of festivals mm-hmm. to build pedigree. And at the same time, we'll look for a distributor. Okay. And if we get a distributor, we got to go with that option over festivals because we have a fiduciary responsibility to our executive producers to uh, get to monetization as quickly as possible, but they've been waiting a couple of years now. So, uh, so it was like, well, whichever one pops first. Mm-hmm. So we entered into about 10 festivals and then we went to, um, at the same time, we went to AFM, the American Film Market. And it was my first time there. It's very exciting. For those of you who don't know, it's like a, a big industry meet-up with independent filmmakers and distributors, film distributors. And it happens in uh, Santa Monica at a hotel where they take out all the beds and each room is a different distributor. And um, it's kind of like speed dating and you meet all these industry people. And we walked away with like 10 offers on mm. the move. So we took a couple months to go through those offers. And, and as you know, it takes a couple months to get feedback from festivals of whether you've been accepted or not. And we decided to sign with Indie Rights, And they, had a, they have a, a great reputation in the industry and we're very excited to be partnered with them as our distributor. And uh, so as soon as they released the movie, we had to um, like withdraw it from all these festivals. Wow. But, you know, what? I am so glad
0: that you mentioned AFM because I was in a room with you a couple of months ago and mm-hmm. you were talking about your entire process and how you navigated AFM. And I thought it was absolutely amazing. So can you just go over a little bit of that? Because a lot of us were like, well, wow, are you are you going to actually do a course? Because the way you mapped it out, the, the strategy was, was, was absolutely amazing. So can you
1: talk a little bit about how well, you approached yeah. going to AFM? Well, it was, you what's funny about that is that we, we left it until about five days before AFM, before even deciding to go to AFM. I was yeah, on Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, I was on Clubhouse and someone, and I said, you know, should I go? And someone said, are you crazy? You just finished a movie? Of course you should go. So I thought, okay, let's, let's research and cram. And then we really crammed hard. I think I worked like 48 hours straight mm. so in the next 48 hours uh first of all I went to the AFM website made a whole list of every distributor I sent them an email asking for a meeting letting them know I'll be there I put together a calendar uh thing so it sends a link so they could like book a 15 minute meeting with me uh I also sent them a link to a, a quickly built a website <laughs> and then I quickly made business cards and um uh, you know, we built all these assets really fast. And so we sent them a link. And so they could check out stuff like the screener and the trailer and everything, and they could automatically book. And then when we went down there, you know, we took our business cards, but I also took an iPad with me. I bought an iPad in those three, four days. Uh, so I could show people the trailer, but then I also had a Bluetooth remote speaker so they could hear the trailer because, you know, it's in a hotel lobby and an atrium with, you know, a lot of uh, people and noise. I also took uh, mints for like after lunch so that, you know, I'm not like nasty brown. <laughs> <laughs> cell phone batteries as well in case someone's cell phone ran out, I can make friends, you know, say, hey, let me help you out. Mm. And, Cause it's a, it's a relationship business, right? So you wanna be cool and you wanna make friends, right? And just. Don't be a dick. So, I uh, so I went to great lengths to uh, do the opposite, make myself helpful, and and mm-hmm. and uh, just went in really really positive attitude. And we were told like five days before it, we won't get any meetings. And I think we had like going in, we had like fifteen meetings, and uh, we walked away with ten offers. So uh, that's a little rundown. I, I think we did some other stuff. I can't even remember. But that was that was the bulk of it. Uh, you know, yeah. Because when you were talking about it
0: about it on Clubhouse, I said, wow, that is. That is so fascinating. And, and it's even more fascinating now because of, of the time crunch that yeah. you guys were under.
1: Oh, I had a trailer as well in that time.
0: Wow. As well, yeah. So you did a trailer and then put all of that together. I
1: website, business cards, Calendly, emailed everyone, responded to everyone, bought an iPad, got a speaker, packed extra batteries, and mints. Minutes. Wow.
0: So you uh, know what? Be- before we came on the air, we were talking about time management. I buy the tickets and book yeah, the Wow. See, that's crazy. So you know what? I had some questions, but I'm going to turn those over because this is this is <laughs> interesting. We were talking about time management. Yeah. And basically everything and, and how you know time management, everything's kind of you know, a little messy at the moment. But with you re- re- relaying that story. How important was was it for you to manage your time correctly before going with with such a limited amount of time, but more importantly, when you got there? Because, you know, as people said, well, you're not going to get any meetings. You guys had 15. Yeah, yeah. So the importance of time management saying, okay, I, I know I only have a certain amount of time with these people. So, so you know what was what was the pitch like? Did you were you practicing that? You know, while while going there, or was it just the, the pitch is the trailer?
1: It's like I play the trailer; it speaks for itself. It's the mm-hmm. movie; it says what the movie does and what it is. Have you seen the trailer, by the way? Yes, I have. Yeah. So, so the trailer like speak like you know just leaves an an impression of wow. I'd like to see that. And so from there, we then talk about what else we got in the pipeline. A little bit about our attitude and our, you know, because it's not just about the product; it's about like can we work with these people? Right. We we, we talk a little bit about who we are and and what we like and what we don't like, and and make friends because yeah, can be representing your movie like that's a you know a three five seven year relationship potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? So
0: you're you're absolutely right, and and you mentioned something. And you keep bringing this word up, friends and and, and relationships. And I think sometimes people, they really don't hone in on that. You know, the the fact that you you, uh, got your lead actress by building a relationship. And then another gentleman that was in your movie, he he was a Facebook friend. Also, Mm -hmm. by by building relationships. So if if you were talking to someone about to come in this industry, besides having a good work ethic, is is relationship one of the the foundations that you would tell them to really work on? You
1: you meet the same people on the way up as you do on the way down. Period. Right? You, you know, your film school buddies of today could be like the the president of Sony tomorrow. (laughs) You know, think about that. Like, every gig I have leads on to another gig. It's just a complete relationship business. This uh, talk I'm doing tomorrow night at uh, Mia Wolf in Las Vegas is because I've been friends with the person who is now the manager there. Mm -hmm. But I was friends with her for, like, 15 years, and and she used to own a body painting place, Skin City Body Painting, and I would go and make videos for her. Now, 15 years later, out of the blue, I get asked to go speak to, uh, you know, the, the, the people that work with her. So it's it's all relationships, right? It's all relationships. and Yeah, everyone wants the same thing. Every professional wants the same thing. They want to work with people who are at the top of their game, mm. who are lovely to work with.
0: That is so true. Because, especially when you're shooting a film. Oh, yeah, it gets
1: stressful, right?
0: Yeah, and you're there all day. Yeah. So you would like to be there with someone that you you, you absolutely love. But I, I just wanted to ask you really quickly because you know we're we're coming up against it and I don't want to keep you all night. You you were talking about filming a scene and in Move Me No Mountain, and you were in the tunnel uh catching a shot, but you were sitting next to some very unpleasant stuff.
1: So <laughs> <Yeah. if> you- <laughs> So, uh, you know, obviously the tunnels in Vegas, they have inhabitants, and some of those inhabitants use, you know, places in the, the, the tunnels to, to relieve themselves. And uh, you know, I'm lining up this shot, and it's, uh, it's of our um, pseudo male, uh, you, you know, uh, protagonist, and uh, it's a beautiful shot, the light's hitting his head just right, and it's lined up, and it's great. And everyone's kind saying, oh, it looks so great, looks so beautiful. And I look down and there's literally a human turd next to mm. me. It's like the dichotomy between the, the images you're selling, right, versus the reality of what it takes to get them is, is shocking sometimes, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the reason that I, I, I wanted you to share that is because oftentimes when people see you at the premiere looking beautiful in your dress or your gown, and, and they see your co-stars and everyone's, you know, sashaying by and the lights are flashing. That's what they're not understanding.
1: Oh, you know, let me let, me let you in on a secret. Making a movie is miserable. It's like, it's, it's not fun, right? I mean, like, it is in a really sick and twisted way. It's so unfun that it becomes fun. If that makes sense, mm. like it's, it's it's long hours, it's constant challenges, it's hurry up and wait, it's hot weather, cold weather, uncomfortable weather, it's um everything stacked against us. We're running out of light. Um, we forgot something back at base. Uh, what, what what do you mean there's, there's no cold? There's no hot food today. It's, it's all every. What do you what do you mean the actor missed their flight? What 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 do you mean we forgot the camera? It's all of that. <laughs> It's all of that and a, and a basket of stress. So it's bananas that anyone ever actually makes films. And, and, and the whole process is mind-numbingly hard. And Ron Howard was once famously quoted as saying that every movie will break your heart at some point. And, uh, and I think he's wrong. Every movie breaks your heart over and over and over again. That's the reality. It's a tough, you know, when any, whenever any, anyone says moving a mountain, the first thing I think of is tough gig. Wow, tough gig.
0: But let me ask you this: tough gig. Was it was it worth it though?
1: Oh hell yeah, wow. hell oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, one thousand percent. It's so crazy because uh, okay, so prior to moving a mountain, i had been you know roughly fifteen years freelance editor, to roughly ten years freelance director. Hundred commercials, nine shorts, four Emmys. But I wasn't a film director. I wasn't like I'd even done a special for the History Channel. Mm. But I wasn't a film director. I'd done animation for Walmart, done X, Y, and Z, you know, and anim- like I'd done a commercial for J Lo, blah, blah, blah. Still not a film director, right? Mm. And the magical line that has been crossed since Movement of Mountain has come out is well not only am I working well, I have another film in the can and working on another one, but I'm a full-time feature filmmaker, and no one can ever take that away from me, and that's been my dream for a long time. And I'm very proud of the movie, and I'm very proud of the originality and the um, team that made it, and I'm proud of bringing awareness to people of the realities of um, homelessness in uh, modern urban America. And I'm incredibly proud of it, and it seemed like impossible looking at this, you know, proverbial mountain that's going to climb. Uh, excuse the pun and now that i'm the other side i've learned so much i've grown so much i feel my soul feels bigger Mm. I i feel more i feel more able to accomplish more and i feel more accomplished and i know the reality of what it takes to make a movie from ground up, from bootstrap in two years, at an independent level, under half a million dollars. I know exactly every step of the way, what it took, what it takes, and how to get it done. And now I can just take that knowledge and bring it over to the next one, which is a bigger project, and you know, learn more and continue that step process. And um, it's very exciting, so I wouldn't change a thing. I'm incredibly proud of it, and I'm so excited that it's out out now streaming on amazon prime uh youtube and google play currently so i'm really excited the reviews are coming in and uh, it's exciting and i get to see people like you again after yeah walked away at a computer for six months
0: yeah and, and you know what that that was and and ladies and gentlemen if you don't listen to any other part of this podcast i truly hope that you just listen to that and then rewind it and replay it again and here's why She earned that. And it is so much better when you earn it as opposed to somebody giving it to you. Because as you said, Debbie, you're now a full-time filmmaker, but more importantly, a full-time film director, and you earned it. So when they see that by your name, they're like, well, how'd you get that? Oh, how long you got? Because we we could be here all day because I got some stories for you. But I earned that, which 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 is just an absolutely amazing thing. So you are very busy, because <laughs> I understand that you are booked for the next three years. How the heck did that happen?
1: Yeah, like we, uh, my producer and I made a pact that twenty twenty five, we're gonna take January through February off, mm-hmm. because I haven't stopped working. Two two plus years solid. And, mm. and I believe, sorry to quite quote Matt Damon a second time. I'm not a huge Matt Damon. I mean, I like him, but I mean, he when he's when uh, the first I think it was Good Will Hunting he he, um, he worked solidly for seven years mm. before he took a break. And I completely get how that happens now because as you're finishing one movie, this crossover with the next one, and and then this crossover with the next one, and so on and so on and so on. You don't finish a movie then wonder what to do next. So right. So I'm super busy. Uh, We're we're in post-production now of Shaken and Stirred, and I can give you a bit of a scoop as to the next project because it's guns blazing right now. I am shooting a horror film in March next year, which comes out Halloween next year, and it is called Scissor Mouth. And um, my documentary Shaken and Stirred comes out this time next year. So I'm juggling the promotion of Moving to Mountain, the post-production of Shaken and Stirred* and the, uh, the development and pre-production of Sizzle Mouth uh, simultaneously. And it's a lot, but I have to say I have a team, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a wonderful thing that two years ago, I had I, I had one person on my team, arguably, who was my producer, Patrick Wurtz, who's my creative uh, partner and my like, um, film husband. And uh, we've been working together for like eight years. So that's that's awesome. But it was just me and him, right? Um, now I have him, I have my manager, Zachary. I have my amazing assistant, AJ Dean. Uh, we have a part-time uh, social media person, uh, Michaela. And, uh, and I'm forgetting someone. I feel like I'm forgetting someone else on the team as well. Oh, a publicist, We got a pub- I got a publicist now as well, Michael. So even though we're doing a lot, my manager and I joke about it. There's only three things on my list, right? But each one's a movie, mm.
0: <laughs> and that's a good list to have.
1: Yeah, but it's like <laughs> there's a lot of sub things under each one. But <laughs> like each one of those things is a two-year sub list, right? So, um, but I'm, I'm really blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm really. I can't make. I can't believe what a blessing it is to finally be a full-time feature filmmaker. Uh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the people that enjoy watching my films. And I'm so grateful for the people that enjoy making them with me. And then the people that want to talk about it afterwards. And it's it's such a blessing. And I'm so grateful for for my team because it's growing. And that's exciting. And I'm really excited for this. Well, I'm really excited for the Shaken and Stirred, of my documentary. But am super excited for the horror as about. Well. So, but I thought I heard you mention, what, what's the movie that's
0: set in 1981? Is that it? Movie? No,
1: I was going to do a movie. See, this is the problem with like your movies choose you, right? Mm. So I was going to make a movie called My Own Private Nazi. That was going to be my next film, and I'm like halfway through writing it, and and it's a, uh, it's 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 over a one million dollar budget, right? So mm. so I said to myself, you know, well, Patrick and I kind of had a powwow and we said, let's make one more under half million dollar movie, okay, and really solidify you know, reputation. And this is what we're talking about, about those little incremental steps as opposed Absolutely. to ass tracking it. And, and then that way we'll have three and a half million dollar movies under our belt as filmmakers in three different genres. And there'll be no doubt that we have the chops to deliver the goods on the next kind of uh step or run of budget level. So I had this other idea for Mouth and I kind of, you know, soft pitched it to my manager and, uh, and everything has just moved so fast since. It's so funny, my first film, I pitched it to 120 people to get the Mm. money, okay? And about roughly 10 people financed it. Mm. My second film, I pitched about five people and 10 people financed it. Oh, wow. My third film, I pitched my manager and he found one group to finance it. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing. And Scissor Mouth is my most expensive uh, film to date. And uh, so it's around, you know, half a million. So I'm pretty excited. So I know we were about to get out of here, but
0: I got to ask you. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Now, I know you're a phenomenal filmmaker. I know this firsthand. But what do you attribute going from 120 people and only 10 And then you know but
1: no it's a great question so it's it's a straight it's a straight answer it's real simple it's two things one genre and two track record you know the uh the the genre of drama is the toughest genre to sell and i did Mm -hmm. that for the last movie and horror is the easiest to sell okay and the fact is that i've delivered i've I've proven i like Can deliver a movie no problem like spat spat out a second one while i was making the first so you know from a financier point of view they're like wow she's you know going places she's put in the work she's made the movies now she's going to the hottest genre with a really good idea i've got Mm -hmm. a really cool high concept that i I can't i can't tell you about yet because it's gonna be a surprise but uh, so, so that was it, you know, the, the genre and the track record is, is, is what, you know, those two things, like a, you know, a graph crossing and where they insect is the third movie.
0: Wow. 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 Well, you are on fire. Thank you. In, in, in a good way. And, and you know, but it, it's well-deserved because, again, <laughs> I've listened to you for the last few years on Clubhouse. And, you know it, it's always phenomenal hearing you talk because again it's educational I always I always well, learn I something
1: and I love clubhouse for that reason because I'm always learning from so many amazing people
0: yeah it's it's a master class for
1: free yeah it's a it's a hotline into the industry especially more so when the world was shut down not so much now I find mm-hmm. it it tends to be the same 200 people saying the same 200 things now but mm-hmm. uh, but I still love it and and it's I it's my secret little. It's my secret. Uh, what is it? My 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 secret. Uh, no crush. What is it? My like like my my pet. Oh, I know. I know what you're talking about. My pet That's hobby.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Switch that word. Was it your, your 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 secret guilty pleasure?
1: Thank you. My secret guilty pleasure is yes. Gone.
0: Yes. I found I found uh, a couple of rooms on there. Yvette Vargas' room is really great on Wednesdays.
1: There's a lot um, of great room. I feel like it's, it's like listening to the
0: radio, but you can yeah, check in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we just started our room up again because I took I took almost a year off because I was a little discouraged because it was kind of I thought it was going down a little bit. But then I All said, right. well, you know what? Start your room back up, and we we have some absolutely amazing people, in that one, and some new faces, you know, that that we've met. So which is which is absolutely amazing. So every Sunday, you are so welcome to join us. Oh, it's nice. what, it's on so what? What is it? Uh, 12 twelve twelve uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern time, so that's nine o'clock. Right? Yeah, you're,
1: you're telling, but... Clubhouse. I mean, that's where we met, I and mean, yeah, start. you know, I think about maybe twelve to fifteen people um, from Clubhouse worked on in to Mountain*.
0: Wow,
1: I met my I met my lawyer, my um, manager, uh, our casting director, my assistant director, one of my actors, one of my financiers, my entire music sync team. And there were a
0: couple others, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all on Clubhouse. Crazy, right? Wow. Wow. And and the beauty of that is the beauty of Clubhouse, it was such a blessing because four years ago, all of those people that you just rattled off, it would have taken you years.
1: Yes. You
0: know, years to meet all of them and 100%. to actually have them at once. If, if you, if you, Ever even got the
1: opportunity to meet them. Yeah, when I've had access. I mean, I don't live in LA, so I'm not at networking events. And, um, you you know, once upon a time, I used to do pitches that used to cost, like, I think it was $30 for a five-minute phone pitch Mm -hmm. to an executive in Hollywood. And I did a lot of these. I did, like, 50 of these uh, over a few years, right? And, And, you know, the reality is, in hindsight, you realize you're not really pitching to an executive. You're pitching to the executive's assistant assistant. Mm-hmm. and they, the executive's cashing in yes. right and out playing golf or whatever on a sudden so uh so, so it's just meaningless and waste of money and and then all of a sudden they get on clubhouse i think it was uh two years ago now maybe and uh yeah it's got to be like two two yeah two years mm-hmm. and uh, everyone it was the shutdown so everyone's at home and all of a sudden i'm on stage sitting between one of the writers of the simpsons and one of the writers of Little Miss Doubt, Mrs. Doubtfire or something, and, and 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 with, you know, like, all these important executives in the movie biz, and um, and at first, I was like an eager beaver. I was like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, mm-hmm. and people were like, ooh, and, and then I was like, okay, chill, chill, just hang back, and let things work itself out organic, and don't be that eager beaver, because I was just so excited after years of right. training. You know make these connections and i think people do get like a little bit like that when when they meet people that they feel can offer them something right Mm -hmm. so uh so i learned to chill and i learned to uh it it helped me really develop my kind of organic um relationship build like laid back digital relationship building because i'm laid back in real life Mm -hmm. uh, online it's like oh this is a person i need right right so it's kind of being on Clubhouse over the last couple of years kind of taught me to kind of lean back a little and um, chill and let and just be there to learn and be there to, to to teach and and share and add value where I can and the then those relationships will flourish. And it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, and and it's in this as you said, it's organic. And what we all learned was that although they you know held various lofty titles at the end of the day. They were just people Yeah. because when you would get in a room with someone that hasn't been outside in two weeks, look, if you haven't been outside in two weeks, I don't care if you're the head of Warner Brothers Studios or if you're the person emptying his trash, you are going stir crazy. So the fact that you could actually sit and talk to other people, you couldn't physically touch them. But the fact that you could sit, you could talk, you could you could share your 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 uh, your fears and your frustrations over the fact that you couldn't do anything. You couldn't work. That that
1: bonded people. So this person like being able to talk to someone without seeing their face, without any prejudgment. That was huge. It's like a it's like a wall gets taken away and, and, and it's more intimate.
0: Yeah, that was huge because I, I I suffered from that as well. When you're sitting on stage, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And you're, you're, you're so eager and, you know, you're kind of getting shut down. But then after a while, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go in a room and be me. And if they like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. And when I did that, the connections that I've made, but more importantly, let let me rephrase that. The friendships and the relationships that I have built, the connections was basically the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. But to actually call these people friend, because uh, last year I actually ended up flying to LA for a film festival. And I met a lot of the people for the first time in person that I had been talking to on Clubhouse for a year, and it was like meeting family.
1: Right. Yeah, you, you end up because we we spend a lot of time. I mean, I speak well. I spend a lot of time on Clubhouse, and I feel yes, like we
0: you say lot, we, we we did yeah,
1: we, we do, and, and so you know, you get to know people, and you get mm-hmm. to bond, and that's that of, you know that word organic in and, and just. Yeah, so it's very it's very fun when you meet in real life, IRL, and you meet these people. And it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, I actually have someone from Clubhouse coming to stay on my couch next week.
0: Oh, wow, that's week awesome! So,
1: that's,
0: so there you go. Yeah, and I, I'll actually be out in LA in July because I'm coming. I'm going back out uh, to uh, to the film festival again. But you know, when I'm in Vegas, I know I know who to call up. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You better. <laughs> I know who to call when I when
1: I because I think we my oh, wife and I, I were to Vegas, call me two weeks before and let me go to Vegas for yeah, you like, because here, people do that to me all the time. They'll like text me and they say, Hey, I'm in Vegas. And I'm like looking at I'm like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely, I will definitely do that, but Debbie, I am not going to take up any more of your time. This was absolutely amazing. Thank I am so much. excited for everything that you have going on. Mm-hmm. And i will now get to tell people i know her (laughs) but this was absolutely amazing and debbie thank you so much thank you so much you you definitely come back you definitely have to come back because i love 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 talking with you and ladies and gentlemen if you like this episode please share it with your friends oh before we go where can they find you on social media so they can follow you
1: oh it's real easy if you just google deborah richards everything will pop up but i'm really active on instagram so just just google my name and my instagram will pop up and follow me and i'll follow you back and we can be Insta friends
0: make sure you follow her ladies and gentlemen because she is a wealth of knowledge look get that free knowledge it's 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 nothing better than a low low price of free so again if you like the episode share the episode leave a comment on on uh what is it apple apple podcast youtube linkedin whatever if you enjoyed the episode but make sure that you listen to it again because there were some very phenomenal things uh that that debbie talked about that will absolutely level up your filmmaking and that's what i love about doing this podcast she taught you some stuff tonight that is going to level you up so i hope that you listen again and share it with your friends and again thank you so much for joining myself and the amazing and comparable debbie richards on a conversation tonight and as always Love this like a hobby, but above all else, treat it like a business. Have a great night, everyone.